Welcome everyone to the Pantheon, I am Ray, and today we're looking at director Ari Oster's sophomore feature-length film, Midsommar. Uh, it, it takes place in the summer solstice in Sweden, uh, where we have a bunch of college friends going for the summer vacation break, and they visit one of their friends' uh, hometown or communal uh, location within Sweden. It's kind of an isolated area, and they have this summer solstice event annually, but every 90 years they have a very special event, and uh, he's invited his friends to come join in this festivities. And they, some of them use this time to, as part of their thesis as a motivation to go to this event and explore this culture. Uh, the film is primarily a breakup film. Uh, director Ari Oster was going through a personal uh, breakup of his own and this was sort of like a catharsis way of dealing with that sense of trauma, loss, grief of going through a breakup, you know, uh, guilt. Uh, those are these simple emotions that go into any relationship, especially if you were one that was in a very deep union with somebody, especially if it's a, the longer it is, the harder it affects you. The idea of breakup and tragedy uh, is in the opening act of this film. We have two characters. We have uh, the character of Danny and Christian. These are the lovers who are going through a a very um, strange breakup. So this is what Astor was going for. Uh, his breakthrough film, Hereditary, which was a brilliant movie, it dealt with uh, largely with loss and grief and the family dynamic of going through grief. Uh, this one is just a breakup movie. Jordan Peele, who is a friend of Astor and saw a cut of this before this film got into the uh, uh, you know, film circuit. He gave this film great praise. I think he did an article in Rolling Stone or Variety and just said how wonderful this piece is. And it is. It's an operatic sentiment of, of a breakup, the way it is portrayed. And what I like about Peel and Astor is that their films are not the traditional horror films. This one is a folk horror subgenre of storytelling. But with Peel and with Aster, their films are not necessarily horror films. They kind of break the mold of the traditional tropes of what horror is. There is no uh, monster in the closet. There's no monster chasing them. Uh, there is uh, not necessarily a supernatural element to it. It's just the environment that is probably a threat, but not... I mean, it's arguable about Hereditary's final uh, 20 minutes. There is a supernatural element to that. But in general, the last 30 minutes of both Ari's films, the, the movie really takes off and goes into a, a, a kinetic frenzy. And that's when the horror uh, really kicks in. Uh, that's the one thing there is a commonality in his films. But it's a slow buildup uh, into that level. So it's kind of an exploration in his films. Like there's a dollhouse in Hereditary that was really like caters to what you're seeing into the movie. They do something similar to that in the beginning opening sequences of um, Midsommar. What you're seeing is well lit. Everything is there's no darkness, so so there's no monsters hiding in the shadows. There's nothing creepy under the floors or lurking around. Everything is bright and clear, and you get to see it. What makes this extraordinary is that everything seems normal on the surface. You see everyone who's involved. Everyone's in frame. Um, they're there for the summer solstice for a traditional event. It's a nine-day event to represent uh, each day represents a year for the 90 years of this event. Uh, that, that, that gets celebrated at, at almost at a millennial uh, um, celebration, if you, if you will. Uh, and there are different 
uh, rules and, and uh, rituals that they perform and it and it makes sense and everyone's going along and learning and they're very and similar to like get out uh they are trying to be understanding and welcoming of it and understanding it's a different culture and uh as strange as some cultures are they try to uh, accept that this is something different and that they and they themselves the, the community accepts it and and at top of at the top of uh, when things start to show signs of this is not right, uh, we see uh, that there is a elderly couple atop of a monolithic cliff, and you're, you're saying to yourself, okay, and then at the bottom of this cliff, the community has come together, and there's one guy with this giant mallet, uh, twice the size of like Harley Quinn's mallet. And the first thing that comes to my mind off the top is that this this is not going to end well. And um, I, I don't know if I laughed or if I was in shock or laughing or in shock. It's a bit of both. Uh, but it, it, the, the characters still went along with what took place. And uh, it's the absurdity or the extremeness of what you're seeing. And what makes uh, both Hereditary and Midsummer extraordinary it's like reading a Dan Brown novel where there's you're learning as you're reading as you're going along in his novels. With this, with with Aster, what you're seeing in the background, what you're seeing around, there are clues that are in place that's telling you what is to come. Uh, there are drawings or murals of a, of a love potion. It's about a four-panel mural, and as you're panning through it, you know what's coming, or you. When the event happens, you understand where it's coming from because you see these murals set it up. Uh, he enters a room. Uh, sorry, Christian, Danny, and Christian. They're the couple. Uh, when Christian enters a room, because uh, there is a uh, he's talking to one of the higher councils. The room has all these drawings that the camera focuses on, and there are drawings that you see in passing. Uh, there is a, where the room. There's a giant room where they're all staying in. There's drawings. Uh, of architecture and murals and everything tells a story and they're saying they're telling you off the top that it's because of the summer solstice there are seasons uh, that represent the aging uh, so from like, like 16 21 is spring from 21 to 35 is summer and from and then when you hit a certain age like 72 it's like the winter it is the end of one cycle uh, and so they are explaining uh they're how they interpret life you know and it's it makes sense they they there's a community that that kind of loves each other and they have their traditional value and they're singing and they're dancing and uh it's but there's every so often there's something you have one individual who is deformed and we find out that is through possible inbreeding uh, because it's such a close-knit community and they've spent centuries you know secluded together that the idea of inbreeding does happen but like ever so often when I, outsiders come they do have relationships and it and they try to avoid that they are aware of that so you have this strange fellow and he has a specific purpose i don't know i wouldn't call it a divine purpose but he is considered he's uh, welcomed and he's part of the community even though he is deformed uh, but he plays a very special role in the community and he's respected um the elders get a dinner and they are uh and they're accepting of that and um they've all these traditions and uh things that are uh, would seem that would go right with what your with would go with a solstice or a bountiful meal and 
you know, like where you're saying grace, you you would wait and you say it together, you sit down together, you, you toast. So there were things in this that were that made sense, that were that went with a narrative. And as the movie progresses, for every night, each day of the nine days, there'd be one or two things that would pop up that that seemed a little odd. You know, and of course, when you had the the idea of the monolithic cliff, uh, things start to go a little dark, and then uh, little by little, um, some of the visitors started to uh, disappear. But they let it go. It's kind of strange how there are reasons that they give that's accepting of it. Because it seems a little strange, kind of like Get Out, where it's like Chris was like, okay, um, maybe because I'm an outsider, I don't know their their values. Let's just go with it and try to be you know neighborly and friendly. And not to embarrass or just be accepting of what their values and their traditions are. And that was where things really start to pick up and go to Crazyville. And then the last 30 minutes of this film really goes in a direction uh, that, uh, that the trailer does slightly give a hint to. But the full extent of it is not realized. And... Based on Danny, played by uh, Florence Pugh's character, who is a wonderful actress, who's going to be a major star in the upcoming Black Widow movie, and she was um, fighting with family, the WWE uh, biopic film. She's a, a chameleon actress. She, uh, she has a great range. This film, she is in a high octane level of emotion, trying to deal with grief, loss, and and also compensating for a potential breakup with Christian, her boyfriend. And there is so much going on. And then when uh, the film gets to the climax, uh, it's just an exaggeration of what she is going through. It's now echo. It's like an echo chamber of what her expressions are and feelings are is exploding onto the screen of what is actually going around in the film. Now, I gotta leave it blank, and, and not blank, but vague, because there's so many things that are going on. Um, there is, obviously, it's cult-like, and as such, uh, some of the mannerisms of how cults um, keep their members together, how cults um, grow, and how they make someone feel welcome, and, and keep them thinking of their free will to be part of a communal experience or a group, this has those elements into it. The visual elements, the choices of uh, isolation uh, is, is like spot on. For instance, when they speak Swedish to each other, there's no subtitles. It's meant to make us feel, the audience feel that they are, we are isolated, we don't understand. Uh, they use a technique that's done in The Shining where the car is they're driving into uh, this communal area is taken from above, something that we see in The Shining. So you're looking at this one single car driving down this long, narrow driveway in an open field, and it seems it's a wide shot. So it looks very isolated, and they're very much alone. So you get, uh, so using elements like from The Shining, uh, using elements of uh, wide lenses of the open fields where they're by themselves, they're being cut off from the world, and you get that both visually as well as textually. and uh, this is where I uh, I think this film really shines. Uh, Aster has put a lot of effort into showcasing the the horror elements of it uh, in a way that doesn't necessarily trigger the red flags in your mind, but uh, gradually descends you into something. And as I thought before, it gives you the clues of what's to happen. And when they unfold, 
they, there are triggers that, that, that remind you, oh yeah, I did see this and I know where this is going as it's unfolding in real time. So it doesn't follow any kind of entropy where uh, you're going into the mouth of madness, but it's, it's a gradual descent. And when things get too far uh, and, get, and get too lost in, or uh, too... Uh, the point of no return is finally realized it, it becomes too late and even then they try to be uh, as understanding uh, to the differences of, of a culture as they can to be accommodating unaware to themselves that they are in mortal danger and that is probably the most scariest part of what's going on because even when you see things that are hor horrific uh, they try to understand the reasoning behind that and they and every time you hear something there's an excuse to explain what you're seeing to diffuse it and um at some point some people react some people don't react so the it's it's interesting how that aster was able to keep that balance but yet showing no there's something wrong here and we need to figure something out so that is without a doubt, the best part of this movie. Is it better than Hereditary? I'm gonna say no. I always Hereditary is still probably a little bit better in terms of the dialogue and the content, how tightly um, the, the tension is and how, it, how it's ratcheted in that film. This is a very open uh, environment. It's very bright light. So the, the atmosphere and the tension is not felt but this last 30 minutes of the film it goes from zero to 100 into a manic state of awareness of the characters and then the situation the predicament that they find themselves into and um, it is a strong recommend give it four four out of five stars uh, midsummer is astor's attempt second uh, masterful attempt into the subgenre of folk horror but like Peel, he's finding critical praise in an audience that finds his work different and refreshing and not following the tropes of the traditional horror films. I give this thumbs up, 100%. So with that, I am Ray, and I'll we'll talk to you later. I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. No, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity and I decided Look, to do it. I don't mind it. you going. I just wish you would have told me, that's all. Dude, she needs a therapist. You've been wanting out of this stupid relationship for like a year now. And don't forget about all of the beautiful Swedish women you'll meet in June. Okay, guys. That's not her again. Seriously? Babe, what's happening? Danny. I was so very sorry to hear about what happened. I'm sorry. invited Danny to come to Sweden. You know what she's been going through? Christian says you've got this special week planned. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. Unbelievable. Welcome and happy midsummer. Skål! What time is it? 9 p.m. That can't be right, the sky is blue. This is what 9 p.m. is like here. <laughs> How long have you two been together? Just over three and a half years. Four years. Really? 
Yeah? <laughs> what do you think? It's like another world. Tomorrow's a big day. Is it scary? What is it? It has special properties. What am I going through? We just need to acclimate. I don't want to acclimate, I want to go. Absolutely not. What's happening? I don't know why you invited us. That's why you look so guilty right now, because you know. We only do this every 90 years. I was most excited for you to come.